Today, I want to share with you a period in my life when I went through one of the saddest losses, the death of my mother, and also when I had the most rewarding experience practicing without knowing it, anticipatory grieving or anticipatory grief. My mother was a fiercely independent woman who had deeply ingrained the word ethic, taking very seriously her calling to serve the poorest of the poor. Being a public health nurse, she lived in small towns in Colombia where she established and served health posts, becoming in her long life the healer of hundreds, if not thousands. Wanting to give me the best education, she sent me to boarding schools with the nuns. Thus, with the exception of two years, even during college, we lived together only during my vacations. Yet, because I was her only child, we created an unbreakable bond of love and attention between us. This bond felt at times too tight for comfort, especially after my mother retired and I had become a wife, a mother, and a full career woman. Sometimes we will have heated arguments about the way I was raising my children here in America, all free and disorderly, and about our opposite religions, I and a UU, and she a Seventh-day Adventist. She converted because mostly social. She wanted the social and chatting with other people, and she couldn't find that with the UUs. So I was a child when I first started worrying what would happen if my mother would die. Later, I still worried that that would happen if my mother died after one of our arguments and I had not made peace with her. This tortured me all the time because we have arguments and then I said, what am I going to do if she dies? So I started trying showing my love for her, but validating her life in my letters to her during phone calls and late in her life at least one on two public occasions at my church. In 1991, she started feeling really weak and losing her appetite. I was very sad and bewildered learning from the doctors the extent of the damage caused by a now active tropical parasite which has been dormant in her liver for many years. Leaving the hospital the day we received the diagnosis, I was numb with the realization that my most refined and feared time was at hand. My mother was terminally ill. I was going to lose her. In a rush, doctors, nurses, medical technology, hospital beds, bloods, tears, pains, scans, my office duties, my home life, her church, my church, friends, even what to wear to her viewing passed it through my mind. Yet, she was there holding onto my arm as we descended the stairs toward the parking lot. Oh, how I tried to put my mind in order and to practice being in the moment. I told her that we both were going to go through ups and downs, but that we were there for each other, and that we had good friends and family that cared and loved us. At the time, my youngest daughter wanted to visit some campuses in search of a college. Since my mother always loved to travel and meet new people, I invited her to join us in this search. At first, she was apprehensive, 
But then she reasoned that if she was going to die, she might as well do something meaningful and fun while there was still some time. We all had a wonderful time visiting national parks and colleges in the West. Right after the trip, I prepared a room in my house and invited her to use it as many nights as she wanted. I wanted to ease the transition from her independent life to a more restricted one. Also, my children and I could get accustomed little by little to having her around all the time. I enrolled as a volunteer with Hospice Care of Long Island. There, I acquired a valuable knowledge about caring for terminally ill people and their families, and I used this knowledge to help my mother and my family. As my mother's illness progressed, we developed some rituals, like praying together in the morning before I went to work. At first, I would just listen to her praying, sometimes silently criticizing her theology. Then I started saying the words with her. As I changed more, we started holding hands during the prayers. I even started enjoying when she read from the Bible to me. On one occasion, I recorded her voice as she read two of her favorite psalms. We talked about death, and she, woke, and she would ask about my beliefs in the afterlife. She would cry thinking of the pain that my children and I would suffer when she was gone. I reassured her many times how interesting and valuable her life has been. I asked her to remember the thousands of people that she had helped during her career as a nurse and later when she volunteered in so many places. I told her that if I had the chance to be born again and were allowed to choose my mother, I would surely pick her again. This pleases her immensely. I also told her that I wanted to become a minister in part following her example of caring service. We talk about funeral arrangements and what to do with her ashes. As her death approached, my mother became very peaceful and even sweet most of the time. Her demands decreased and she was much more accepting of my religion, my, my ideas, and even my cooking. That was, I never knew how to cook, so. But when she asked me to give another, another portion of soup, I was just like, oh, I, got, I just graduated from Harvard Culinary School. This made it easy for me to become more affectionate and open regarding her religion and her idiosyncrasies. For example, she loved the color pink, and I sort of hate it, and she insisted in buying blouses and dresses and everything in pink for me, even if I was a grown woman. So, today, in her honor, I printed the sermon in pink. Our newfound level, level of acceptance made it more difficult for me to leave for work. I would wait for the weekends with anticipation, knowing that I could be around, for, around her for longer periods. At times when holding hands, I would close my eyes and say to myself, imprint the warm touch of her hands in yours. You will never feel that touch again. In the afternoon of the day my mother died, I put on soft music in her room and brought her fresh flowers. Around Tritiri, I was alone with her, and I felt moved to put one, hand, one of my hands on her forehead and the other over her heart. 
I told her that I love her very much. I thank her for all she had done for me and my children, and I told her that it was okay to leave if she was ready. I said her mantra, your will be done, not mine, several times. These moments were as perfect as ever experienced in my life. One of those times when I entered the room, I asked my mother how she was feeling. She turned towards me and said with her sweetest voice, my love. Those were her last words. After dinner, I decided to lie by her side with my, arms under, with my arm under her head. We noted, those in the room noted, uh, noticed a feeling of serenity all around us. I was holding her in my arms when at 11.55 p.m., she breathed for the last time. Although I was very sad and missed my mother terribly, thanks to my anticipatory grief, I didn't feel guilt or major regrets after her death. Rather, I feel peace and love every time I remember her. In her book, How to Go on Living When Someone You Love Dies, Therese Arrando explains that anticipatory grief does not mean premature detachment. Rather, one can grieve the loss of a loved one in the future and still be involved with the person in the present. She advises recognizing your separateness from your loving dying one and learning to tolerate the awareness that the loved one will die while you continue to live. She said that one should remain as involved as possible with your dying loving one, promoting whatever continued communication, interaction, dignity, control, leading, and, main, and meaning remaining available, remaining available. Starting slowly to incorporate changes in your identity, roles, experiences, expectations that reflect the present and will begin to prepare you for a world without your loved one is also part of anticipatory grief. So is planning the future with your loved one so that you do not feel that such plans are betrayals after the person has died. Joining your loved one in the process of reviewing his or her life and learning how the person wants to be remembered are also key steps in anticipatory grief. In the end, sooner or later, we all have to exit this life. How we prepare for the departure of those we love and for our own will determine in great part, great part the degree of peace and joy we add to our lives. The more compassion and understanding we display toward those leaving us, the more satisfaction and less guilt we will experience after they are gone. Likewise, by preparing for our own death with care, we will show compassion and love for those we love behind. I had started already preparing my drawers, my books, my things in certain order because the last thing I want is my children or my friends to come to my house to help organize things after I'm gone and say, what she was doing with this? Look at this piece of... I don't want that. And some people say, I don't care because once I am, I am dead, who cares? Well, I care. I, I, I care not to leave them you know, angry with me when they should be enjoying whatever legacy I leave and when they should enjoy my memory and not the memory of this woman that didn't care for, for all this that they had to do. Believe me, I had 
help some people, some families after someone died to sort of put things in order. And you won't believe the things that people collect and forget. And later on, it's like, oh my God. So prepare, prepare. One can read volumes of, of quotations and essays about what enlightened people have said and written about the benefits of remembering our own dead as the last and ultimate marker of our journey on this earth. Remembering often this marker in a healthy way would encourage us to adjust our desires and actions to live a life of completeness and joy with increasing chances of achieving even our most daring dreams. May we all be blessed with the will to undergo anticipatory grief, both for those who are leaving us and for our own living. As long as we have life, when faced with the impending loss of those we love, may we be able to change fear and anger into love and peace, indifference and denial into awareness and care. May the spirit of life sustain us and those we love as we go through the most final and inevitable transition into the invisible and unknown realm of the great mystery. Amen and blessed be.